Friendless is a proud member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network, which is sponsored in part by Conexus Credit Union and Direct West. My sweeties, welcome back to a brand new episode of Friendless with me, your old pal and host, James Avramenko. As always, I am on a quest to have no friends left on Facebook, and somehow that's going to help me answer the question of what it means to be a good friend. This week, to help me get a little closer to that answer is an old friend of mine, fellow UVic alum and charcuterie extraordinaire, Jane Sandin. We discuss the perfect charcuterie board, Rocky Horror Picture Show, reintroducing ourselves after being deceived by beards, learning to appreciate flaky friends, and so much more. Jane is a dear friend from back in the day, and I loved getting a chance to catch up with her again. I think you are going to love this episode. Um, As usual, I have stuck a few updates on the show at the end of the episode, so be sure to stick around for that to find out some fun ways you can support Friendless. But that is then, and this is now. So for now, let's jump into my interview with Jane Sandin here on Friendless. How are you? It's been literal years. It's great to see you, James. Great. I'm doing fine. I mean, it's still a pandemic, and I've been in Calgary for seven, six or seven months. Okay. So, um, yeah, my dad had, like, neurosurgery twice in the fall, so I came back. I was thinking of coming back for, like, three weeks, and I brought, like, one pair of pants home, (laughs) but then I stayed for a million months, so here we are. Wow. How is your dad? Is he doing okay, or...? Yeah, he's all right. Um, yeah. He's had like a brain tumor that he's got taken out three times. Wow. The, the first one was in 2007 when we were at UVic. So. Yeah. But Holy shit. He's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Do you want it? Like, yeah. do you, I don't mean to, I don't want to like d- uh, d- uh, poke deeper into that if you don't want to go, go oh, into ask details away. about it. I'm just, I'm uh, that, I mean, like, I, I, I'm just sort of in awe that he, that he's like, had been fighting this for so long like is it is it like leaving like is it being removed and coming back or is it like a reoccurring like what what, what's happening there yeah so it's not a cancerous tumor um he started losing his hearing like maybe 15 years ago and they discovered it was it's called an acoustic neuroma it's a brain tumor around your acoustic and facial nerve Wow. So they cut it out, but like they can't really cut it all out without doing a lot of brain damage. Right. So it's like kind of a surgery he has to have every five-ish years. Unreal. Yeah. And this time um, he got a brain infection after and he got an MRI. He got an MRI that he wasn't supposed to have. It was scheduled for months and months ago. It wasn't like a post-op thing. And they discovered like a mass in his brain. And they're like, oh, we don't know what this is. We have to do emergency surgery. And it turned out (laughs) it was an infection that had he not just happened to have this MRI randomly, 
they wouldn't have caught it and he would have died. So it's so lucky. And the craziest thing is now there's like a halo around his brain tumor of white blood cells. Okay. And the doctor thinks that maybe, um, like that will stop the brain tumor from growing. Right, and they're like, we've keep been on tra- eating it away. <clears throat> they said that they've been trying. They there's theories about um, using disease to treat brain tumors, but it's too dangerous to do research on. Of course, yeah. Hmm. So that's interesting. <sighs> yeah. And my dad's cousin has liver cancer, and she's she gets her liver flushed with like tuberculosis so i don't know if that's the same thing wow so so she literally like like how does that even work wow this is a this is not where i thought the opening of this conversation was gonna go i know neither (laughs) (laughs) but but so okay i'm sorry explain to me how someone is flushed with tuberculosis I have no idea. <laughs> that sounds like, like that sounds like um it's like one of those like it sounds like a title to like a bodice ripper like flushed with <laughs> TB, you know? <laughs> wow. But she's doing okay. She likes it. She's she's liking that treatment. <laughs> I mean, I don't really know the details right. of it. I think my dad was always like, what? Yeah, that makes no sense until his doctor told him this thing about his tumor. So, wow. I guess is that is the, is the theory behind it the idea of like like building up immunities kind of thing, and then your body remembers how to fight it away after, or is it like? Yeah, I don't know if it kind of like rushes white blood cells to that right. spot consistently. Yeah, I'm not sure about the science, right. but. Well, that's fascinating. You know, it's funny because, like, I mean, I've never met your dad, but I I have the most vivid image of him in my head because of Facebook, because you will, every couple of years, you'll share a photo of how you look exactly like <laughs> him. And it's a photo of him from, like, it's got to be, like, the 70s. And uh, and it's funny, too, yeah. because he also, as a, as a young man, looks just like Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance. And so there's, like, a double. <laughs> oh, I never knew photo. that. nice but uh but it's a it's an amazing comparison shot of the two of you right and i I love yeah anytime it sort of bubbles up you know but but jane (laughs) let's 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 talk about you let's 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 shift gears you know enough about the old (laughs) man you know but uh but um so you know i um I often start these interviews with like uh, talking about sort of how we met, but, but you fall into the category of guests that it often becomes a bit of like a, a haze because of theater school. And, you know, in theater, you're sort of like, I know a lot of times in theater in general, it's like you sort of already know who the person is before you may or may not meet them. And there's often like, and then you, a lot of times you have to pretend you've known them and all those kinds of things. Right. You know, but I'm curious if, um, if you remember, I guess my my preamble is indicating that I, I have no memory of it. I just you're one of those people who like one day I wasn't friends with and the next day I was and I don't know what that day was. But I, I'm curious if you remember us meeting at all. OK, I don't know if this is a false memory or not, but like on I guess you're you came to UVic a year after me. Yes. And on the first day at UVic, we have this big everyone meet each other in a circle thing. Yep. And I 
I was with Kate and I think she was like, that guy is, I'm going to date him (laughs) (laughs) from across the room. It definitely, she, uh, she, you know, and I I don't want to, I don't want to sound like it was predatory, but she definitely like set her sights on me (laughs) and I didn't know what to do. I was terrified. I'd never lived on my own before. I'd never lived away from home. I had just, I'd literally like that week turned 18. So I was like still such a baby and was just like terrified of everything. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, and I remember her. I remember, it's funny. I, I don't remember what she said exactly, but I remember after that session, that big meeting broke and her just like beelining to me and me just being like, oh, fuck, what do I do? Right? <laughs> Yeah, and Kate and I were, like, besties at that time, so I'm sure that was the first time. But do you know this function of Facebook of see friendship? Yes. Okay, so I was looking at yours and mine earlier today to just see what's up, and (laughs) I wrote on your wall, like, about the first time that I thought I saw you. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Which was, I said, at the Rocky Horror Picture Show thing they used to do at UVic. That's where right. I think you must have been dressed in drag. Big time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that first year, that first year, uh, Jesse Fleming, uh, like, forced us to go all out for that. Um, um, <laughs> and, and he was my, like, sort of first friend in university um, because we had, funny enough, at that same, at that big department meeting, uh, we had sat beside each other and we neither of us knew anybody, uh, knew each other or, or anyone. And so we just got talking. We found out we were in the same, like, first year acting class together and, uh, and just sort of buddied up, you know? And, uh, and then, yeah, uh, you know, and school starts in September. So, like, the first big event or the big social thing was Rocky Horror in October and uh and he yeah he made us like buy new dresses well new uh, you know from Value Village and like he did our makeup and we got super decked out and it was a blast I loved it it was super fun I wish I had the the skills and the 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 ability to do it more often because it's it's so fun (laughs) I know I went to it every year yeah. Yeah. So I guess those are my first two memories. And since I'm in my parents' house, I've been mm. going through some of my old stuff. Yeah. And Aislinn made me this book of haikus and got people to write me haikus. Oh my this God. would have been your first year. And I have a haiku that you wrote me. Oh, my God. Can you would read you like the haiku? to hear it? I want to hear it. Yeah. Okay. Jane has flowing hair. She makes me feel like sunbeams. I live BOC. Signed by Jane, or signed by James in brackets, Kate's BF. (laughs) I wasn't even last name basis at the time. (laughs) I was like, just in case you didn't know, I was that weird kid in the corner. (laughs) I live BOC. I live BOC. Oh, wow. (laughs) Now, were you a part of, were we doing... Was it the OC viewing that we were doing? Because I remember, like, was the OC still going on in what that would have been 05? Because um, I remember that, like, there was a group of, like, second years who were doing viewing parties of some show. And I think it was the OC, but I can't for the life of me remember. 
I was not part of that. I wasn't no. a big OC person, but I remember when Sam and I were living together, I came yeah. home one day and he was crying like I've never seen anyone cry before, like oh, no. inconsolable. And I walked in the Marissa. door and I was like, oh my God, Sam, what happened? Is everything okay? And he's like, Marissa's dead. <laughs> I knew it. I knew that was the moment. No, stay. <laughs> so, so coming back to like, you know, so we met in Victoria and then um, when I moved to Vancouver, I know you were, you were already there. You had been pretty set up there um, in terms of like, but you know the, the the group of people who had kind of you know migrated over right and um um actually one of the things and maybe we'll talk about this later actually um i i remember when i went to barkerville and i came back for like a super whirlwind weekend and i and it's funny cuz this actually <laughs> actually now that i think about it this is this is a funny story this was like you know i had moved to barkerville for the summer right out of school and i don't think i'd seen you since you graduated the year before and uh and i came back for a weekend and you were living with Katie Tackoffman at the time, uh, who was a, uh, alum of the show. She was on earlier, a uh, couple years ago. And, um, and, and we went out for some drinks and then I crashed on you guys' pullout couch. And in the morning you came down and I, I was waking up and, and you were so sweet because you came down the stairs and you went, hi, I'm Jane. How nice to meet you. And James. <laughs> You, okay, first, in my defense, yes. you had the biggest beard I have yes. ever seen. <laughs> and I had no idea you were back in Vancouver. And I said, hi, I'm Jane. And I maybe even extended my hand. You and did. then you started laughing uncomfortably. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck, it's James. Oh, my God. And I think oh. you weren't sure if I was joking. Yes. <laughs> I remember that so clearly. I loved that. It's one of my all-time favorite friend moments of just <laughs> like, hi, I'm Jane. And it's like, uh, uh, is this a bit? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, no, that was that was a that was such a great weekend. And I'm so grateful to both of you for putting me up and putting up with me. And um Well, the thing was like <clears throat> our policy was kind of like people crash on our couch all the time. So there's often people you don't know who were mm, there. Totally. It wasn't unusual anyway. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> but so you were in Vancouver for a couple of years. Did you now, now, and I, this is the way I'm driving to this. And I'd like to actually hear you. I'd like to stop babbling and telling you where you've been in your life. But, um, but so, you know, when we were hanging out in Vancouver, um, when I left, you, um, I had it in my head that you had gone to Toronto, but now you've ended up in Calgary. And so I'd love to sort of hear the the journey that took you around and why I'm so wrong about where I thought you were. <laughs> so I, I took a year between Uvic and Vancouver and lived in Calgary. Wow. And then I moved, I lived in Vancouver for four or five years. Mm. And then there was this max mass exodus out of Vancouver. And it yeah. was so depressing. Like I used to have um, a Christmas party and from one year to the next, there was like 50 
15 people that had been at my Christmas party the year before that had moved away. Yeah. So I don't know. I was, I was teaching public speaking to kids the entire time that I was there and I was trying to do theater and I felt like I was teaching more and more and doing theater less and less. And the theater thing, it just wasn't working out the way that I'm sure many of us felt that it would. So I decided to go back to school to become a teacher. So I moved to Kingston, Ontario, um, and got an education degree there. And my intention was always to go back to Vancouver. But when I graduated, it just like didn't feel quite right. I felt like I was just going to go back into the way that Vancouver is like, it's not that I'm lazy, but I like to have like chill hangs all the time. And I feel like the energy of Vancouver just like, it's not, it's conducive to me not doing anything with my life. That's how I felt, even though I loved it. Yeah, I'm I am right there with you. I've I've never really uh I've never really wrapped my head around going back cuz every time I think about it I'm like, "Oh no, that'll that'll ruin my life." <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still think about it every day, but I just <laughs> I needed somewhere new to go, I think. Yes. And yeah. I saw a bunch of like friends that I have that it's just like they went to Toronto and they had this hustle in their lives and they had dreams and they were just doing it. And I really felt like I needed that. I don't know if it's like an aggressive energy of Toronto, but it's Mm -hmm. like a, some sort of motivation. So I moved city in Canada that has hustle. (laughs) Like it's for my money. It's the only city that has a hustle, you know? Totally. So I moved there like, and I've, lived there for five years and I just am in Calgary just because of the pandemic because of of my parents but I'm still like have a job in Toronto I'm still paying rent there and I'm going to go back yeah um and and you have done these really cool like charcuterie boards in in Calgary do you want to do you want to talk about those at all like are they still (laughs) ongoing or is that more of like an event thing sure yeah um so in October, when I was in Calgary, I made my uncle, who is impossible to give anything to, a charcuterie board. <laughs> yeah. And he loved it. And my parents and I were like, holy shit, this is a huge hit. Maybe yeah. I should start doing this. And my dad is um, like a carpenter. So mm. he made that board. And of course, my dad needs something to do because he's recovering oh, from his brain tumor and we're all locked up in pandemic. So um, I put a little picture of the charcuterie board in our neighborhood printed newsletter saying I was making them for Christmas and my dad makes the boards and I assemble the food. And since in the last three months, I've sold like almost 70 boards. That's amazing. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. charcuterie boards, charcuterie boards, you know, you know, the thing that um, the thing that really struck me about like uh, the photos I saw of yours was that it looked like a worthwhile charcut, you know, because like if if you order one at a restaurant, it's always like 
two pieces of bread and then they always have too much of the shitty cheese and too much of the shitty meat and not enough of the good stuff and and like and Jenica will will make them all the time and it's the only way that they're worthwhile because you 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 portion them to make them worthwhile you know and and yours always looked like yours always looked homemade right you know and in in the best sense of that that term right you know in like oh shit this is a value not like someone trying to cut costs you know <laughs> oh yeah i stuff them as full as i can for sure and yeah. do you have like a source for do you have a source for the ingredients or is it like just 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 good stuff or like okay this has been like a little bit of a business uh learning for me mm. so i had this woman <clears throat> that was ordering like a charcuterie board a week wow. and Finally, one day she's like, oh my gosh. And I have like all this branding and stuff. So it looks like I'm running this big business when really I'm just like making it in yeah. my parents' kitchen. <laughs> she's like, how's business? How's it going? Oh, you must have like really amazing suppliers, blah, blah, blah. And like the truth is that I get a lot of stuff from Costco and right. other grocery stores. Yeah. Sometimes I go to nicer cheese places, but you can get nice cheese and nice meat from those places. Totally. And of course, a banana from Walmart is the same as a banana from like, maybe not Whole Foods because those are organic. But there are people that will like buy, never buy fruit at no frills because they somehow think it's lesser than co-op but it's just like the truck is stopping at one and exactly. then the other exactly well that's something that i learned actually that's something i learned from buying supplies for theaters is like you know when you're when you're ordering all this stuff like it's just the same truck they just they just load everything up on one and then each store just gets a portion of the one truck and so you know and then they decide what they charge you you know, and so it's like, yeah, you're spot on. It's the same fucking cheese, you know, <laughs> like it's all coming from the same spot. It's just you, the sucker who pays whatever amount you're paying. But that woman was so horrified that she hasn't talked to me since, <gasps> even though no. she had bought like 10 charcuterie boards. Oh, my. Yeah. God. And had loved them, had seemingly loved them. I think she might have been embarrassed because she's like, oh, your stuff is always so fresh. It's so good. It's so like yeah. crisp and fresh and the best charcuterie I've ever had. Like I get them in restaurants and they're just not as good as this. And then I told her her stuff is from Costco and like, no. Radio silence. Wow. Well, you know what? You know what? You've, you've, <laughs> you've gotten everything you need from her. So we, you can move on. <laughs> That's cool. So do you think that you'll um, do you think you'll somehow keep that going when you go back to Toronto? Or do you think that that's just like a, a time passer now? Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, um, I don't have a very big kitchen in Toronto and I don't have a vehicle right. in Toronto. Right. Um, I also like have been selling a lot to my parents' friends who are old and rich and those yes. aren't really my contacts in Toronto so <laughs> right, yeah. I will have to approach marketing in a different way you got to get a commercial on this hour right you know you got to get you got to get Chris oh yeah. You, right? <laughs> you got to get him to do his um his knife selling skills with your charcuterie board 
Well, I don't think, I mean, Chris is my roommate. I don't know if you yeah, know that, but I do. Yeah. I don't know if he wants a charcuterie operation in our house. So <laughs> <laughs> it might be against his best interest. To... That's, fair, that's fair. You can say, listen, if you're going to have a YouTube production company in our house, I get to have a charcut company. You know what, James? You're right. That right? is an excellent point. <laughs> Thank you're going to you. tell your little jokes. You gonna tell your little jokes, Chris? Well, I'm gonna. <laughs> Wellness, however you define it, is achievable. You don't even need to figure it all out yourself. Talk to Connexus. They'll give you guidance, motivation, and the push you need to reach your goals. They've got you. They're your financial partner, and they know you can achieve your very best, your financial best. Prove them right. Start right at Connexus Credit Union. You know, at the heart of this show, and especially what it has since become, like I think I started the show as a bit of a joke and it's since morphed into something a little bit more, I don't want to say profound, but um, um, it's really become about the question of if I've been a good friend. And, and if I'm going to answer that question, what I'm trying to get to the bottom of is what it even means to be a friend and so um i love hearing all the sort of spectrum of answers that that people come up with and i'm and i'm curious what your answer to this would be would would be how do you personally define friendship mm-hmm. um i listened to your episode with sarah tuffin this week oh, yeah. and that was great i think she actually uh articulated something that I think about which is like kind of friends are people who see you and are Mm. seen by you yeah so I guess it's to see and be seen yeah essentially and in that is acceptance yeah Um, mm -hmm. so I think that's the big one I really love fun people so (laughs) (laughs) truly fun is a really important part of any of my friendships totally Mm -hmm. it's hard to it's really hard to to stick around with people who are kind of a pain in the ass though (laughs) i feel like that's uh (laughs) but i've i'm pretty extroverted and something that i wish that i was better at is like putting more effort into getting to know people that aren't immediately uh don't immediately connect with me or make sure. themselves obvious. Sure. Like I had a colleague that became a friend and she was wonderful, but I never would have put the effort into getting to know her because yeah. she's more introverted. And that's something that I, that I, I, I have been trying to clock more of. And I, obviously it's a little bit harder because like, I'm not really meeting new people this year, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. like in terms of just um, for me right now, it's less about, the the goal of long-term friendship and more about just like daily interaction of like when I when I encounter someone who may not necessarily behave straight away how I you know think a quote-unquote good person would behave I'm trying really hard not to knee-jerk to thinking just the worst thoughts about them right and instead I try really hard to like frame it as like well what's going on with their day what's gone on with their life that's making them react and behave like this you know and how much Mm -hmm. of it is how much of it is compensation for 
you know, internalized shame or fear of rejection or desire to be, you know, in community with someone, but they don't know how to do that. And, you know, because there's so much more going on behind people's anger than we give it credit for. Right. And and okay. and I think that because um, I'm I'm right there with you. I think the baseline is seeing and being seen. And, and I think that that's like that's the root of empathy. Right. Is it's not it's not um what's the word like it's not sympathizing which i think is different right sympathizing i think is like justifying whereas empathizing is understanding you know and and not giving uh excuses for you know and i think that's you know because when you see someone for who they are it's because you see who they really are not who you want them to be you know and who you're making them to be and Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. whereas like and, and and I'm trying to take that kind of behavior, that sort of friendship behavior to strangers and be like, okay, well, what is it that's making you angry? Because it's not just that you're an angry person. It's not just that you're a bad person or, you know, all the number of like dehumanizing words that we like to use for strangers who we disagree with, right? <laughs> you know, and, and instead apply it more to like, you know, how can I calmly give you the love that you deserve and the acceptance that you deserve and all those kinds of things, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if you're like me in this way too. Um, I don't expect my friends to give me a blanket experience of friendship. Totally. And the beautiful thing about friendship is that you can connect in different ways with different people. Like yeah. some people, I have really great banter with, and I really value that. Some people are more emotionally connected. Some people know my family better. And it's like the richness of life and having lots of friends is having different people that understand and appreciate you in other ways. And I have friends that are super flaky, but like I can, I'm fine with one flaky friend because they're, I can appreciate something else about them. But I think that there are some people that, just need people to be meet all this criteria yeah. for that thing, you know? Yep. And I think that I don't want to call that selfish because I don't I don't think that's what it actually is, but like I'm right there with you. Like I don't need my friends to be my everything. And I'm almost I'm almost leery of people who expect you to be more than what you can offer, right? You know, because mm-hmm. in, when it when it comes to those kinds of behaviors, I often feel like you're 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 putting more pressure on me than I'm able to to give right and and um yeah because like I can't expect you know every one of my friends to be able to connect with me on every single level because I'm a multi you know a, a you know I don't know what the word you know I contain multitudes <laughs> right <You know? laughs> and, and and so does everyone else and so like we're obviously not going to cross every path together but but what's really fun and really, you know, vibrant and interesting is figuring out which paths do cross over. Those are always the fun mm-hmm. things for me, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. and then letting, yeah, I think the other side of that, and I'm right there, you know, right there with you, is like letting letting people be elsewhere as well, right? Like letting them not just be your friend, but letting them have the space to be friends elsewhere with other people who don't involve you, right? I think that's just as important a facet of it is like to not be possessive, you know? 
Did your, my um, perception of friendship changed when I went to UVic. That was oh, yeah. like a turning point for my ideas about friendship. I'm mm-hmm. curious if you experienced the same thing. I think so. I think that, but I, I, I would say, um, I think UVic taught me how to be a bad friend. Um, and I, and I yeah, I, th- or I think it taught me to experience bad friendship, you know? And I think like, I think, you know, I, I made good friends, but I think I also like learned a lot of really, really valuable, uh, what not to do's, you know, um, in, in both regards. Right. And, and so I, I would say probably, uh, I learned more coming out of UVic than I did going you know from from within it kind of thing um and i take that as a valuable lesson too i think it's just as important to learn bad stuff as good stuff right (laughs) you know wow that's interesting is it like is it like like when you mean like do you mean uh like from from your experience do you mean like because you you created the best friendships at university or or how 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 do you mean I think this idea of um like seeing someone and being seen Mm. I never felt truly that before I got to UVic. Like, maybe because I was just friends with people that weren't quite... I don't know. I still have good friends from elementary school and high school, but there's something about finding your people that really is something. Yeah. And I think the beautiful thing about being in theater and being friends with artists is they readily share of themselves. Yeah, and sure. there's an emotional and intellectual openness that I think a lot of average people don't have. So it's easier to connect if you're also open with that. So yeah, I don't know. I experienced a new level of friendship at UVic that I had never experienced before. And yeah. those friendships were real. Like yeah. my best friends are a lot, a lot of them are still people that I met like in first year. Direct West is a proud partner of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Is marketing getting in the way of running your business? Things like updating your Google listing, thinking of a headline for a billboard, or making sure your website is in good shape. That's where Direct West comes in. You can get local expert marketing help for your business at directwest.com. So I, as I said, have moved around a lot, and I know that you have too. Mm-hmm. And I have taken away lessons from each city. Like right. each place has taught me something. So. I think UVic taught me how to live into who I truly am and mm-hmm. how to make friends. Vancouver taught me like how to live a healthy lifestyle. That's when I started doing yoga and spending time outside. And like, I was a vegetarian then and yeah. I was sleeping enough. Whereas I was like, <laughs> just treating my body like trash at UVic. Yeah, yeah. And as I was saying before, like, um, Toronto taught me kind of how to hustle and be assertive. Um, So I'm curious, like, what you have learned from each place that you've lived. Wow. That's a really good question. Um, Wow. 
oh man i i i that's one of those questions where it's like i wish i had asked for a heads up on these because that's such a great question and i feel like i can't do it justice sort of like off the cuff right um well let's see okay so victoria um i think was the place where i i learned to like accept um accept creativity as not only good work but just whatever my impulse is um Mm. i think that that's where i learned that like um a clown is just as vital to artistic expression as you know a, a sonnet or whatever you know whatever high art we you know um um i think in vancouver i learned Oh man, Vancouver, I learned that it is one thing to have a dream of being an artist and it's a whole other thing to actually live the art life um, because it's uh, it's next to impossible if you're not willing to sacrifice for it, right? And, and I think that um, in Vancouver, you know, um, I just got, I just got beat the fuck up every time I tried to do art. Like that city just beat the shit out of me you know Mm -hmm. and uh um so it 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 was it which was which was good which was you know like I don't want to say deserved in the way that I'm like you know I deserve to be unloved but I mean like I I think it's really important for artists to not be given things because I think that what what artists are giving it needs to be not profound, but it needs to be genuine, right? And I think that it, I think that when when art and artists receive too much ease too early, it makes what they give uh, disingenuous, you know, um, because yeah. it becomes about well, this was successful, so I'm going to just keep doing this, and you know, so so I think that I think getting beat up for art is is important. Um, Calgary was like, oh fuck, uh, Calgary was. Um, Oh man. This well, is know, the Calgary of your adulthood, not the yeah, Calgary exactly, of your youth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And you know, you know, Calgary, I mean, yeah, because Calgary and my youth can just fuck off. So that that <laughs> you know <laughs> I mean Calgary was really where I came into my own as uh as a as a partner to my now wife, you know, and what I really what it it's really the city where I learned what it takes to be a like a partner to someone and what it takes to be in a genuinely dedicated intimate relationship and also how rewarding that is you know like um because both of us were so um we were both people who sort of like never expected to get married and never really saw the value of marriage and then those three years really reinforced like it's like if you are lucky enough as we are to have found somebody to 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 partner with like this like it is it's it's um it's a genuine miracle, <laughs> you know, and it's something worth not only celebrating, but also something that you really do work for. Like, it's not, it's not a movie. It's not a, and you always get along. It's not a, you know, um, and it's always easy. Like it's, it's something that's worth the work, which is, which it, it is work, you know, um, to be understanding and empathetic and generous and, you know, um, and then Saskatoon, Oh fuck! Saskatoon taught me where not to live. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, 
No, you know what? You know what, though? Actually, um, so Saskatoon really taught me the value of uh, of this, of, of reaching out to friends. It, it taught me the value of working for friendship. You know, if Calgary taught me about the value of, of intimate friend relationships, Saskatoon really taught me the value of intimate friendships, you know, and, and, and realizing that intimacy isn't just with the goal of hopping in the sack, you know what I mean? Like intimacy is the goal of being emotionally vulnerable and connected with someone. And that isn't a romantic link and it doesn't have to be a romantic link. And in fact, we should be more, um, I think we should be striving for more intimacy with our non-romantic partners, right? You know, and, and our friends and our, you know, and, and, and that. And so, you know, uh, I really link friendless to Saskatoon because it's where I started it. And so if, you know, so I, it, those are sort of intrinsic, you know, they're intrinsically linked. And I think that this show has taught me the value of working for intimacy with friends, right? Is that, is that, cool. is, is, that, I love really, that is that really long-winded? <laughs> No, that's beautiful. Well, thank you. Um, I always feel like when yeah. I get talking, I, I accidentally sort of spin out and I kind of, and I'm like, wait, oh, fuck, how long have I been talking for? <laughs> you know? No, I was hoping for that sort of response. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> With lockdown probably stretching out further, you know, with the vaccine rollout being non-existent in Canada, um, you know, we, we, who knows what's coming down the line, you know, whether we stay more digitally based or whether we somehow open up. Um, and I'm curious what you think it would take, it, it will take in these next coming months to be a good friend in this, this world and going forward. Mm-hmm. I have found different ways to express friendship this year. Um, like my love languages, I would say, I don't know how familiar you are with the five love, love languages. Love them. Yeah. Mine is getting presents. Is it? <laughs> no, I just like that one. I don't know which one mine is. I know I've, I've read the break. Anyway, sorry, I'm spitting out. So there's five. It's like um, physical touch, words of affirmation, gift giving, acts of service and um quality time right and um i think people fall towards although we all experience love in all of those ways they fall towards one or two of those totally so mine are quality time and acts of service and quality time is very difficult these days totally. so um i love talking on the phone so that's been a good thing to carry me through. Mm. Um, but I have also sent people like tons of cards and presents this year I and like it. made had made cards like for everyone's birthday. So um, I guess I've kind of shifted in how I express my friendship this year um, to those love languages. Um. Yeah, I'm a horrible texter, so <laughs> if people are friends with me, like, if you expect a text back right away, we, if that's important to you, we can't be friends. Like, one of my <laughs> friends texted me, James, on a Friday, I bought 
birthday card for her, wrote in it and mailed it to Toronto. And I was willing to put in all that effort, but I was not willing to text her back. So <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but yeah. I just. I but there's so say. much, there's so much overvaluing of instant communication, right? There's so much overvaluing of text message as, as if that's the normal baseline behavior. And so like, I don't, I don't see a problem in that, right? Like I don't, I, 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 for me personally, I've never had a problem with someone not texting me back um, because I don't, you know, I'm, I'm on my phone too much. Like from, from my side, I'm on my phone too much. I do text back too quickly, but I don't care if somebody doesn't behave like that because i think that our attachment to these devices is unhealthy you know and so like i feel like anybody who's resistant to those kinds of behaviors are super healthy and probably have a better handle of those kinds of behaviors you know like like mm -hmm. i think we've just normalized we've baseline normalized text and instant and email and yada yada far too much for 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 our for our subconscious right yeah, for me, it's kind of about presence. And maybe that's yeah. also what I value in friendship. Like if I'm texting you, it's taking me out of a present moment, maybe totally. with someone else. And that text is not worth as much as what's happening in the moment. 100%. So, yeah. Well, it's why I value, um, you know, it's why I value these interviews. And I do sometimes feel a little guilty about sort of like only feeling confident enough to have these conversations while creating this podcast and not really having the confidence to just call you up and just have a chat. You know what I mean? Like, cause this is really important to me and this has been just such a wonderful hour that it's like, I, I, I wish I had the, 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 the confidence to just have these conversations rather than making them into this podcast, you know? Um, cause I do feel that value deeply. Right. It's such a gift to other people too. Like I have loved listening to you talk to people that I also know. It's right. like given me so much comfort in the pandemic. It's like a passive way of connecting deeply with I other people. That. Well, thank and you. And I have I, other that's, friends. That's wonderful. With, yeah, I have other friends with podcasts too. And this maybe is crazy, but sometimes I'll like put someone a friend of mine's podcast on and fall asleep to it yeah. and then like go back and listen the next day. But there's like something so comforting about that in times when we can't be with one another. Yeah. You know, I, I, a few people have told me this and it, every time it, just, it means a lot to me actually um, because uh, I've been told that it's like, it's this source of comfort because it's sort of like low stakes conversation. It's like you get to participate, but you also don't have to worry about, actually participating in the conversation you know and and all the mm -hmm. all the stress that comes into play there of like having to navigate you know keeping up with the subject or whatever it might be you know and and um yeah it means a ton to me that i'm that i'm helping people right you know like because i'm just like i'm just trying to make this goofy little show and i'm just trying to like tell as many people as i can that i love them and like hopefully that like helps other people out right you know and but uh yeah, but, it's a gift to a lot of us, yeah. for sure. Well, you're welcome, world. <laughs> Thank you, James. It is. Now, now give it a five-star review. This idea. <laughs> but on that note, 
we do have to wrap up and I and I, I do have one last thing. But before I do, I just, you know, you know, I, I was talking about it a little before, but I just, you know, I really want to make a point of saying like, you know, Jane, you're a you are a dear friend of mine and and I just I cherish the the memories I have of you and and I and I love anytime we cross paths and I just like I'm so grateful that you are my friend and that we've had the chance to like weave in and out and and find the paths of our friendships that that do correlate right and and I just I think you're the fucking best and I'm so I'm so grateful you're in my life you know Thank you James the feelings mutual But we do have one thing we got to do so I'm going to pull up your Facebook here and and Jane Sandin, we, there we go. We are no longer Facebook friends. Ah, uh, James. What you know, loss. I bet you were one of my first Facebook friends too. That is it. Thank you one more time to Jane for coming on the show. I absolutely adore her, and I'm just so thankful I get to call her a friend. If you want to be a friend to the show, please review the episode with a five-star review, and if you can, share the links to try and spread the word about Friendless. Sharing is not only caring, but it turns out it's also free. Something that isn't free is the new Patreon I have launched to try and support the future development of Friendless. Starting at just five bucks, you can get access to exclusive content, unedited and ad-free episodes, a private Discord, and so much more. If you have the ability to help the show out, follow the link in the show notes, and I thank you in advance. Be sure to follow Friendless on all the social medias at FriendlessPod and feel free to drop me a line anytime by email at FriendlessPod at gmail.com. But that's it for me. I guess it wasn't really a huge news week, so I'll just wrap it up. Make sure to listen to the latest episode of Raised by the Movies and then have yourselves as great a week as you can. Tell someone you love them and then tell someone else. And then I'll catch you back here next week with another episode of Friendless. But that, of course, is then... And this is now. So for now, I'll say I love you, and I'll catch you soon. Fun and safety, y'all. <laughs>